Well, good morning. It's the season of celebrations. Many different things that we get to celebrate during this time of the year. There are baptisms, as we've already experienced here today. There are weddings and anniversaries, birthdays, Father's Day, of course, today, and, of course, graduations. Many, many graduations. I know many of you are celebrating that milestone in the lives of your children or of grandchildren or of nephews and nieces or neighbors or just seeing the signs around your neighborhood driving by the parties. It's wonderful. And from my heart to yours and to your families, let me say congratulations. Congratulations on that journey, whether you are a graduate or the family of a graduate. Congratulations. It's something well earned today. My wife and I just celebrated the college graduation of our youngest child, Kaylee Vick, from Gustavus Adolphus College, magna cum laude, with a bachelor's degree in statistics and mathematics. A little bit proud there of my daughter, for sure. So very, very proud. And of course, so very thankful to not be writing any more checks to Gustavus Adolphus College. <laughs> oh, no, they're great reasons to celebrate. So many wonderful things. She's looking for a job. If you have one, please offer it to her. <clears throat> but it reminds me of a story. It's, I'm, I'm sure it's a fable, but it's still kind of a good story. It's about a college graduate who, upon his graduation, his father comes to him and and hands him his gift, and he opens up the gift, and inside for his college graduation is a new Bible. And the boy was a little bit underwhelmed, figuring there might be something a little bit more than that. He opened up the cover of the Bible, and there written into the cover was a note from his father saying, be sure to read this, there are treasures within. Well, the boy put the Bible back into the box and thought, well, that, that's fine, and put it up on the shelf and didn't really look back again. Every once in a while, his father would look to him and say, hey, have you had a chance to open up your Bible yet? And the son would say dutifully, oh, yes, yes, of course, Dad, every day. It continued on through life, and many, many years went by, and later on, his father would pass away. And in going through some memories and unpacking some things, the son came upon the shelf that held this Bible, decided to open it up, maybe for the first time since he opened it that very first time. And as he opened up the Bible, a $100 bill fell out. And as he paged open the Bible, he discovered that at the beginning of every book of the Bible was a $100 bill <laughs> that had been placed within the Bible. Yeah. Your Bible probably isn't filled with $100 bills. <laughs> But it is filled with treasures. The wisdom of God passed down from generation to generation, just waiting to be opened and applied to our lives. What a gift that is to us. That's why we are together in a new sermon series. A sermon series entitled Wise Guys. And it's wise guys, not wise guy. And I had somebody actually ask me that question. They're like, well, why are you calling it wise guys, Pastor? I mean, it's, it's about the book of Proverbs and about Solomon and Solomon's writings in this. But the reality of it is this. The wisest man who ever lived was Jesus. Jesus, who is the personification of wisdom, the embodiment of God's wisdom. All of that wisdom originates in God and made its way to Solomon. So it's a series of wise guys who brought this to us. 
And even within the book of Proverbs, Solomon didn't write every one of these Proverbs himself. There are other ones that he gathered together throughout history, generation upon generation, of wisdom that had been passed along from fathers and mothers to sons and daughters to be received and lived into its wisdom for all time from many, many of these wise guys. That's why we are seeking this wisdom today. We want to learn and we want to grow in this wisdom. It all finds its source in God and finds its way to us. But here's the thing. We don't seek wisdom to make ourselves acceptable to God or to win brownie points with Jesus. Pastor Angie said it well last week in explaining the same thing. This, we don't become wise or seek wisdom for our salvation. That's not how this works. Salvation is the free gift of God given to us through faith. So why do we seek wisdom? What is the point of looking into these passages of Scripture? It's so that we can better love and serve our neighbors in the love of God. See, wisdom doesn't help us love God more. It helps us love our neighbors more. Wisdom reminds us that God's love is for us, regardless of where we are in station in life. God's love for us never changes. It is agape love, unconditional love towards you and me. But this love that comes to us in the form of wisdom is for the benefit of us towards our neighbor, towards the world around us. The world around us needs this sign of God's love. And we can live into this as we glean and learn from this love of God. And with that in mind, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, and we're going to be in chapter 4 today. It's not a long chapter, but I want to read it to you and I want you to listen along and hear it with the ears of a son, the ears of a daughter, the ears of a child hearing these words from a loving father, and I think you will hear them clearly as I read them today. So from Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, please follow along as I read. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. And she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son. Accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. 
I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil doers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your eyes directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. There is an urgency in these words from King Solomon that are very appropriate for us to hear on Father's Day. (laughs) Can you hear it? Do you hear it echoing over and over in this chapter? Listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Listen, my son, accept what I say. My son, pay attention to what I say. Just putting those three together sounds like many conversations I had with my sons and daughter when they were little, right? Hey, pay attention. Listen, 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 listen. Look here. Hey, no, no, look here. But we all need this, don't we? And here's the thing. This theme is repeated throughout the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Before Solomon ever gets to putting these choice little tidbits, these one verse or two verse compilations of wisdom passed down throughout the generations, he spends nine chapters emphasizing to his sons, listen, listen, follow the way of wisdom. And for those of you who may be saying to yourself, you know what, I mean, he's a father and he's saying this to sons, but doesn't this apply to daughters and to mothers too? Of course it does, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you may have already heard right in there that wisdom is personified in the feminine. Listen to her. She will guard you. She will guide you. How many times has that wisdom come forth in our family as well? Listen to your mother. 
She has wise things to say. It's all there. There's an urgency. This plea comes from Solomon. And Solomon wasn't writing this only to his own sons. It's very likely that the book of Proverbs, as Solomon put it together, was an instruction manual for at that time, young men who would have been a part of his royal court, who would have been being prepared for leadership in the kingdom. And so they all felt like sons to him. That heart of a father going towards them to instruct them, to encourage them, to listen, pay attention. These things will not only help you, but they will help you to serve in this kingdom. They will help you to serve others, to be a wise leader, to be a better parent, to be a better manager of what it is that you have. He wrote this for an entire generation of sons that were being prepared for leadership in his kingdom. And God, in his eternal wisdom, inspired these words so that every generation of sons and daughters could benefit from them as a part of God's eternal kingdom. They are given for our benefit and to bless us. This is the heart of our heavenly Father who invites us to receive his wisdom. But included in Solomon's plea is a challenge. Right there in verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get wisdom understanding. Friends, wisdom comes with a price. Wisdom comes with a price. There's a cost involved in acquiring wisdom. And if we don't understand this, we will inevitably fall into foolishness and sometimes even succumb to evil. Henry Cloud, a famous author who's written a number of different books, wrote a book about making difficult decisions. And within that, he said, in summary, really in the world, there are three kinds of people. Wise people, foolish people, and evil people. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we fall into any one of these categories. But the differences between a wise and a foolish person may not appear to be there at the very start. But what is perhaps most important is that a wise person is willing to learn from their mistakes and grow and understand truth. Whereas a foolish person may hear it over and over again, nod their heads, but never changes. Never seems to grow. Never seems to learn. And then there is the evil person who intends harm from the very beginning, creates their own truth. Now, I find it interesting that there wasn't a fourth category added to this. There wasn't wise and foolish and then evil and good, because aren't there then good people? Not if you understand Scripture the way it's shared with us. <laughs> scripture makes it clear none of us is good. But we can be wise. We can be wise in understanding our need for God's goodness and our need for his forgiveness. 
So what does it cost to acquire wisdom? Let me give you some things that I believe it costs for us to acquire wisdom. First of all, wisdom takes attention. There's a reason why we use the term pay attention. Because there's a payment that is involved in giving attention to one thing and not giving attention to something else. Wisdom requires it. Now, some of us in life suffer from attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. And I certainly don't mean to belittle that because if you ask anybody on my staff, it's probably pretty clear that I suffer from this from time to time. I mean that honestly. What has wisdom taught me in my life? It's taught me to surround myself with people who are really good at looking at details, who are really good at focusing in on those kinds of things because it makes us all better as a team. Thank you, Pastor Angie. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I honor her today for that and the many on my staff who are just good at these things. That's learning from wisdom. But it's understanding yourself that sometimes paying attention is hard. I think many of us suffer from a a version of spiritual ADHD in our own lives. We find it hard to focus in prayer or listen to a sermon or read a chapter from the Bible. And we wonder then why our lives are so disordered and chaotic. (laughs) Listen, I'm not looking to shame you. I'm just saying that God doesn't love you any less when you aren't paying attention. But if you are constantly distracted, you may miss an opportunity to serve your neighbor or you may inadvertently harm your neighbor. You may miss that place and that moment with eyes down on a screen or eyes looking at a television screen or or eyes distracted someplace else or just not paying attention. Or you could inadvertently do harm when you're driving down the road and go into that kind of glazed look of not paying attention to the road anymore. There are all kinds of consequences that can come from not paying attention. To acquire wisdom costs us something in paying attention. Paying attention to the wisdom that God has for us. That's one cost of wisdom. What's another cost of acquiring wisdom? Well, wisdom takes time. Wisdom costs you some time. And that time is also patience. To be willing to be patient with the kind of time that it takes to acquire wisdom. Proverbs 16.32 says this, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. There's a cost There's a cost to patience, to waiting, to giving time for things to work. Interestingly, literally while I was writing these words on my page for my sermon, my computer locked up. Like completely locked up. Like I typed on the keyboard and nothing would happen. And I was patient. I was frustrated. I took a moment, finally captured my breath, caught my breath, restarted the computer, came back. Everything was fine. I hadn't lost anything. But it was just interesting how in that exact moment when I needed patience, it wasn't necessarily there for me. 
I'm a human being. I am still learning in these things as well. We must give time and be patient. Because you see here, this is the thing. Wisdom is a path, not a destination. You don't one day just become wise and go, great, I've got it all. Now I can check the box and move on. Wisdom is acquired throughout your entire lives. You are never too old to keep gaining and gleaning wisdom. It takes time. The journey takes time and patience. And if you try to take shortcuts, you will probably pay some kind of fool's tax. You know, just recently, I've been trying to do some more handyman things around my house. And I, and I know just enough to be dangerous. Because we're not talking about knowledge here. We're talking about wisdom. Knowledge is everywhere. I discovered that when I decided I wanted to take on trying to fix some things on our Sonata. 2008 Hyundai Sonata. The fan isn't blowing right in the car. So all I got to do is hop onto YouTube Type into Google a few key questions, keywords. Hey, fan not working, what should I do? Well, one of the things pops up and says, well, you should replace this one part. Great, cool. So I went out to eBay, looked up the part, ordered it up, got it sent, felt really proud of myself. I'll get this part. There's a little YouTube video that shows you how to unscrew it and how to put it back in and take care of it. I'm like, awesome, no problem, great. Got it, pulled it out, pulled out the old part, ordered the wrong part. So I had to ship that, ship that all back, then ordered the right part, which I, if I had taken a little bit of extra time and patience, I would have found. Got the right part, got it in, put it all together, put it in, inserted it there, still didn't work. But that's okay, because there's another thing that you can do, another part, the actual blower motor. And I looked at a YouTube video about that. Easy enough to replace. I'll hop online and find that. Went to eBay, ordered the part. Took a little extra time to make sure I got the right part this time. Got it, ordered it, put it in, plugged it all together, still doesn't work. So now I'm on to number three. Another part that I've ordered that I'm hoping I can plug in to make the thing work. Here's the thing, folks. A little bit of knowledge is dangerous. So far I'm closing in on about $100 worth of parts. And I have to keep thinking in the back of my head with the time that I've been spending doing this. I probably could have brought it to a professional who with wisdom that they've gained over time could have diagnosed the problem right the first time, would have replaced it, and it would have cost me a little bit of money, but it certainly wouldn't have cost me time. Wisdom takes time. And it takes time to sometimes just go, you know what, I'm probably not best suited to do this and should have somebody else do it for me. But here's something else that wisdom takes. Wisdom takes courage. Wisdom takes courage. You know, the word courage comes from the Latin core, which means heart. It takes a strong heart to stay on the path of wisdom when there are so many temptations to wander off onto a different path. It's why Solomon pleads with his son to say, above all else, guard your heart. Because from out of it, your life flows. It takes courage of heart to stay on the right path, to not wander off onto a different path, to not wander onto the pathway of wicked and ultimately wind up in places that are evil. It takes courage to stay on the path of wisdom. It costs you something to be there. 
That's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. It's because it takes courage to stay on that path. And Jesus invites us on to that path. Which brings me to the last thing that it costs, which is that wisdom takes humility. It takes humility. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Wisdom is a gift that you can ask for, but it takes humility to admit you need it. You see, you can ask for this gift. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But it takes humility to ask. It takes humility to say, I don't know, or I'm not sure, or I'm still wondering. To have a learning attitude. To approach God that way, as well as approaching your neighbor and perhaps somebody that you know who has more wisdom. To seek them out. I'm always amazed when I engage in pre-marriage counseling with couples. Because I love to teach them and talk with them and share with them from the wisdom that I've gleaned in 30 plus years of marriage now. And many of them are eager to learn and desiring to learn. And I recognize that as they're stepping into this, I'm teaching them about things that they haven't experienced yet. So I know some of it's just going to kind of flow in and flow out. I'm hoping maybe a little bit of it catches in there somewhere as it goes through. But I always offer them something at the end. I say, number one, if there's ever a time in the future when you need me, just give me a call. And please don't hesitate. Because it's wisdom to go seek out good counsel when you're struggling in life or when you're struggling in your marriage. It's pride that says, no, I can figure this out myself. Nope, I've got it all covered. I've got it all figured out. I don't need anybody else's help. And it's those couples, unfortunately, that I wind up in my office many years later and so often too late. Every good father loves to give good advice to their children. And I know that some of you in this room may have experienced something other than that from your earthly father. And for that, I want to say, God loves you. There is a good, good father who wants to embrace you and give you the gift of life today and help you in that journey. I am certainly among those who are not perfect. I'm certainly amongst those who have said foolish things to my children, have said things that have hurt them over the course of their lives. For that, I am truly sorry. And I always want to offer an opportunity to be able to receive their forgiveness and continue going forward in that journey. But the beauty of this is that it honors God when you humbly approach him and seek his wisdom. Because the price 
of wisdom is high, but there is also a prize that comes, and the prize is life. The prize is life. Wisdom has a price, but God in his wisdom has already paid it. It is out of God's deep love that he offered himself through his only son, Jesus, as payment for our foolishness, arrogance, evil, and sinfulness. It's out of his deep, deep love that he offers us the promise of forgiveness and everlasting life. His love for us never changes. In his wisdom, he chose you. In our wisdom, we can receive it and then receive his wisdom for the benefit of our neighbor. Let's be in that attitude and posture today. As we come before the Lord, as we receive his gifts, as we receive his life into our life. Let's recognize who has paid the price. Let's trust in the one who loves us deeply with a father's love. And may that fatherly heart of wisdom guide you today into life. Amen? Amen.